I imagine most of us have heard stories of extreme forgiveness. And as I was thinking about uh, this scripture passage, I was looking into some of them. And wow, there are some amazing stories out there. Most recently, I heard a TED Talk about a man named Azim who left Kenya with his family for their protection. In San Diego, Azim worked as an investment banker. His son was in college, and he was delivering pizzas, trying to earn money for college, when he was shot by a 14-year-old who was trying to impress a gang member. When Azim for, uh, recovered from that shocking phone call to tell him about his son's death, he says that one of his first thoughts was there were victims on both ends of that gun. Azim went on to visit his son's killer in prison, and he made the decision to forgive him. Now, Azim and the grandfather of his son's murderer, now they visit schools together, working to prevent such senseless crimes in the future. Stories such as theirs are heartbreakingly tragic, yet in them we can find inspiration and a sense of the power and the depth of God's forgiveness. This morning, however, Mark 12, 20, or, sorry, Mark 11:25 draws our attention to a different element of forgiveness. While stories such as Azim's are many, far more frequent are our own stories, the day-to-day -day ones, where we have the chance and the challenge to forgive. Let's ask for God's help opening up these words. Please pray with me. Jesus, reveal to each one what you have for us in your word. Whatever you want us to forgive or to think about around forgiveness, guide us to understand what the gift of forgiveness can mean in our lives for you and with you. Whether we bring struggles around forgiveness, questions about it, or a need to see it in a new light. Fill us with grace to appreciate all that you give us when you forgive. Amen. I'm going to read Mark. It's a fairly short passage in Mark 11. You can follow along in your worship folder if you like. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. I also put on the back of the worship folder similar words from Matthew. It echoes um, these same words. It's what uh, Jesus taught when he was teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. And I'll end with, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses challenging thoughts. But if we go back to the passage in Mark, Mark tends to be more direct. He says, if you have anything against anyone, anything against anyone, very to the point, kind of reads like a bumper sticker. Whenever you stand praying, forgive, and if you have anything against anyone. To me, those words came across as very challenging so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Jesus connects our action to his. Kind of like that finger trap. 
We can easily get stuck when our prayers have not begun with the act of forgiving. Anything against anyone. That's pretty clear, pretty comprehensive, and yes, pretty daunting. In your Bible, you may want to underline those words, anything against anyone. But Jesus is clearing the way for us here. How might the forgiveness we receive be all the sweeter when we've practiced our own forgiving first? I know I tend to think of forgiveness as an event. I might ask a friend if she can forgive me, and it's that situation that comes to mind, that particular moment or week or season. What if we try not to think of it in terms of time, but instead as a pattern or a habit or an attitude? What if it is more of an approach to life? Would you describe yourself as a forgiver? There's your thought for the day. I also turn to Colossians 3. It's a lovely, dear chapter for many. In my, bu- in my Bible, it is subtitled, The New Life in Christ. It's another place where being forgiven and forgiving are linked. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgive is repeated three times in that verse. Again, forgiveness and forgiving are intertwined. God clearly links being forgiven with giving forgiveness. But if you're like me, there are times when we want to have it both ways. In the span of a day or an hour or even a few minutes, I can be praying for God's help and support while almost simultaneously being very angry with someone else so certain that I am correct or right or justified in my not forgiving, definitely not forgiving, at least not yet. It doesn't work very well at all to raise one fist in anger while the other is extended for forgiveness and grace. What do we most need from God? Many would say his mercy. What do others most need from us? Our mercy. How can we expect to receive what we most need from God if we refuse others the same thing, the thing they most need from us? What mirror might Mark 11 be shining in our eyes about having a forgiving attitude? My dad is a dedicated basketball fan, college basketball especially, and so it's a one-sided conversation when we visit, but He was telling me about a game that my alma mater lost in January. They were down by 17 points during the game, and they closed the gap to one point with a second to go. Our player tapped the ball in with 0.2 seconds remaining. Of course, you can imagine wild cheers, fans rushing the floor. And then the basket is disallowed due to a rule about the specifics of a last-second tip-in basket. Yet later, after review, the officials were found to be mistaken about the details of that rule. The basket should have been permitted. And yet, because of the way it works, the ruling had to stand. The opposing team was still the victor. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of basketball, 
But I saw some forgiving wisdom in the aftermath. Um, from my college, the athletic director wrote, We realize that human error is part of athletics, and officiating is a difficult task. This situation is an opportunity for our coaches and our athletes to apply the life lessons taught through sport and to respond by putting this loss behind them. They got a life lesson. They got an opportunity to practice forgiveness, a practice that may carry those athletes and fans much further than being right ever will. Our oldest son has run or biked to work for close to five years. Right now, this means a three-and-a-half-mile run each way every day. It started as a way to save money and to fit in a workout, but it has become something far more. He's grown to value the discipline of it. If we meet him for dinner after work, he'll insist on running home, even if it's raining. We offer or suggest he take the bus, but nope, he's still running. I'll text him on the sub-zero days, being a mom. I'll say, I hope you're working from home or that you're not running today. But he's running. It has moved beyond the exercise. It's become something far more. He's developed a practice. He's developed a habit. Football coach Tony Dungy said it this way, Champions don't do extraordinary things. They do ordinary things. But they do them without thinking. They follow the habits that they have learned. This is true of spiritual habits as well. Dallas Willard describes it this way, to perform or live appropriately in the moment. <clears throat> when you're on the spot, you must be preparing and growing when you are off the spot. Off the spot training for on the spot performance. To grow as a forgiving person each of us can develop our habits and our practices. Trying to forgive is one thing, but disciplining yourself to forgive is another. Disciplines, practices, give us greater strength than willpower alone. That's an insight at the heart of many programs that help individuals conquer obstacles in their life, um, addictions, other things that would be impossible without that discipline. This verse, Mark eleven twenty five, reveals Jesus is inviting us into a powerful, life-giving habit. Think of anyone you admire who seems able to respond graciously to any challenge. Those who might seem so gifted at that, at whatever they do, have also been practicing that discipline regularly. With a practice like forgiveness, they get to add God's power to the mix. By linking our practice of forgiveness with prayer and with God's grace, we can find the strength, the resources, the resilience to grow in our ability to forgive consistently on the spot. Can you think of a moment in the past week where you wish you had been able to forgive more automatically? Where you kept waiting far too long for an appointment? Were you treated poorly by a coworker? Did a family member break a promise? Maybe you need forgiving yourself for something you keep beating yourself up about. In whatever situation you might consider, how might your day have gone differently 
if you'd stop to consider those words, anything against anyone, and then prayed it over with God. The pastor and speaker, Nadia Boltz-Weber, admits, um, in all fairness, she says, I should say that I don't naturally have a forgiving heart. I love a good resentment as much as the next gal. And if I go on a rant about that person, all the better. Holding on to a grudge or a resentment can feel like a big, delicious feast I can return to again and again until I realize I am the main course. Our refusal to forgive can eat us alive. We don't have to look far in today's world to see people being consumed, consumed by hearts that don't understand how to forgive, that don't have that practice. Even when we think about the more extreme stories, such as that of Azim, the man who had forgiven his son's killer and befriended the grandfather, how can any of us become more like Azim without the grace of God and the steady practice of forgiveness? Whenever we think about forgiveness, it's good to remember we're not being asked to say that forgiveness makes bad behavior acceptable. Our forgiveness of another is not letting them off the hook, if they need to be on that hook, but rather turning him or her or the situation over to God, releasing the person into God's care, leaving it in God's hands. Then our own heart space is freed for unhindered prayer with the one who loves us. Forgiveness was never designed to minimize wrongdoing, True forgiveness condemns the wrong, but also gives the wrongdoer a gift. It separates their wrongs from who they were created to be. Human interactions are flawed. Yet we trust that God can bring repentance to the situation, that God can work forgiveness, and yes, sometimes that forgiveness is through me. God the forgiver is alive in you and alive in me. When you stand praying, don't you want to be in wholehearted conversation with God? Or do you want to be gripping a past hurt, consumed by something you maybe can't change? Do you want to have one hand stuck in a finger trap? The famous writer Alexander Pope wrote, To err is human, to forgive, divine. How better to learn from Jesus than to imitate some of his final words on the cross? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Jesus was giving forgiveness with his final breaths. Shortly we will sing, Lord, I need you. I know I do. How else can we hope to grow as forgiving people but through God's grace? Forgiveness is a discipline. It's a practice. It's an art. It's a posture. And it's pure gift a gift that is God's idea, and a gift that is filled with his strength and power when we stand and pray in his strength. You, together with Jesus, sharing your forgiving nature, your words of forgiveness, can overflow into the world around us. Whom will you forgive today? Please pray with me. God of mercy, your forgiveness is a gift we open again and again. 
When we neglect this gift, first forgive our unforgiving nature. Help us to practice and to keep learning from you. Make us stronger in the art of forgiveness. And help us understand just a little bit more about the love and grace you offer us through life with you.